Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the do 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 leaf peep leaf watch leaf peep leaf watch. It's uh, it's leaf peep leaf watch leaf watch. Amanda and I are on location here in Lake Town City, and let's just say we're peeping those fucking leaves, guys. <laughs> guys, we're 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 peeping hard. The leaves are are out there. Five out of five peeps. Tell me about those leaves. Well, uh, we've been ranking them on a scale of five, where one is there is perhaps a, a whisper of yellow somewhere uh, in the in the forest, the the topmost trees of the trees that turn first, and five out of five peep is just a full rainbow of leaves out here. I personally like it a lot when there's still some green left, because that way you can see the contrast and mm. really appreciate how peep the peep is. That's true. Amanda really loves a four, but I like a six out of five, which is where it is colors I have not imagined that trees could turn. <laughs> Unfortunately, those trees are like up a mountain a hundred miles away, which is very upsetting for me that I cannot touch it with my hand. <laughs> but uh, I do like that it exists. I did assume that a six out of five was just there's no leaves on that tree anymore. <laughs> the tree that's is a, on that's fire. That's a zero. Yes. Yeah. The tree is fully dead now. <laughs> you two have really uh, strange ways of getting into the autumn spirit. Eric, I went leaf peeping last weekend, baby. Oh, Ooh, tell us. You didn't even tell me This is it. my first fall in the Pacific Northwest. I didn't know trees could be this color. Incredible. Yay. And I went to the Ren Fair. <laughs> Ooh, that's exciting. Tell that's us about that. Great fall that activity. was fun. It was my first time going to the New York State Ren Fair. Friend of the show, Misha, and their fiance had taken me to the Ren Fair out in California. And they were very different experiences, but a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Is California one more hippie-ish or something? California one was a little bit tighter. Like, it was smaller. The Ren Fair up in Tuxedo Park is fucking it's huge. It's huge. It's like a city. So yeah. big. I like a loose, jaggy Ren Fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like a like a doe. Yeah, like no cuts, just mm. like we're kind of meandering. Like I want a Ren Fair to feel like watching The Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. I want my Ren Fair like a focaccia doe. It's just like there's there are some little shaggy bits of flour at the edges, but it, it turns out good later. And drowned in olive oil. That's exactly I what I was going to mm-hmm. say. Exactly. Just smothered. Like as much olive oil as you think you should add and then like four or five times more than that. A gallon mm-hmm. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good shit. Well, we are in a bit of a cliffhanger in terms of joining the party right now. And that's very exciting for all of us. That was such a fun fight. And all of us have a lot of things to discuss, a lot of alternate timelines and things, you know, ways that things could have gone, questions for Eric and for each other. So why don't we get into it? I think the first thing to start with is that Not necessarily you did not need to fight, and it only kind of happened there because the way that this session was set up, and I'm very happy with, was like, sometimes you just need to play Dungeons & Dragons, and then you say, hey, this is happening. What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me the answer to this. Cause and effect, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know that... uh, can you give me a cause on which to affect? Is that okay for you? <laughs> so I really, it, it's been a little while since we've done this because of the the storytelling narratives that we've been on, but being able to do something like this has been, is very fun and very vindicating for just playing the game after, God, if this is episode 40, like what, over a hundred episodes of real play on a microphone? Wow. hmm Yeah. Wow. So I want to say I laid out this situation and then everything that happened afterwards were all of you figuring this out. 
Sure was. That's so Sure fun. was us trying to figure things out. <laughs> I think we had a yeah. solid plan. I don't know what you're talking about, Julia. I think, I think we had several solid perfect. plans. Yeah. I think we did too. And I know, Julia, that you wanted to ask a little bit about kind of the, did we choose the best way to get into the dome? So I'll leave it to you from here. Yeah. So I still think, I think your idea was great, Amanda. And that's the reason why we went with it. I do think that using Mega Muncher against the building would have been kind of an optimal way of doing it because it's killing two birds with one stone. Because one, you get Mega Muncher to attack the building itself, and it also gives us a way to get in. Killing two birds, one building, anyone inside with, <laughs> with one Mega Muncher. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Mega Muncher would have killed everyone inside. But He's I think... big and hungry, <laughs> Julia. You know, it, it only occurs to me now that some of the hostages, like they, they might be inside that building and perhaps we would could have endangered them. But I think we were all so into getting that tea cozy, getting through that tea cozy, which I stand by in retrospect. A tea cozy <laughs> on a mixing bowl is the perfect uh, is the perfect visual for Amanda's out there as to what that actually looked like. Shout out to all the Amanda's out there. I know you are. You're probably watering your plants detailing your Lake Crusade pots right now. You're probably shining your leather boots. You're ready for it. Shout out to you, all of you. We're very important. Thanks for joining the Patreon. I feel both red to filth and really loved right now. <laughs> I also super really liked Brandon's I'm going to use insect plague and make the moths eat the fabric. I thought that was a oh, really yeah. fun use of insect plague and could have been really, really interesting. I don't know how long it takes. And the gust thing. Yeah, I don't know how long it takes for moths to eat fabric, but I imagine if it's a plague quickly. Yeah, would that have worked, Eric? Uh, uh, we know the hmm. gust wouldn't have from yes. what you said in the episode, but would the insect have worked? How Correct. long so, does it take a <laughs> to eat a, a sweater. sweater? Yep. <laughs> okay, here's the little DM's corner right here. Here's how I set this up. I wrote down what the scenario was, which was, one, Wi-Fi goes down, two, big yarn over the vitamin M factory, and three, you see Threadbare and Mega Muncher kind of patrolling the area, right? After that, I wrote down four ways I thought of defeating Threadbare and Mega Muncher. You ended up touching on a few of them that I had come up. There are also some ways that I came up with that you didn't end up doing. Also, some of those other things, like for, I, let's just say I did not think of insect plague. Let's say okay. that. Hypothetically. However, that did touch something that we did end up touching on, which is, can we burn it with fire? And it would have been like, this is, remember, this is juiced up yarn. It's not just yarn. Mm -hmm. So if you had figured out a way or had hit it hard enough to go to either take down the resistances or you would have like had to do double the amount of power, you could have dealt it like that. So what I want to say is all of these were valid, but I wasn't going to entertain anything until you ended up doing it because... Uh, if the premise is you figure it out, I'm not going to tell you, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Your good idea, it's wrong and bad. Fair like, enough. I, that's, so I want to say uh, yes and no to everything, all of your ideas. Another thing that you guys didn't end up touching on was are you going to use the car? I think getting out of the car and sneaking was a very interesting idea, but another way you could have done it was drive up there, get attention, but you would have been there faster. So that's another way 
that you could that that was different that I was also anticipating. Were you going to use Doctor Morrow, or she was just going to be along for the ride with you? You ended up doing what is in that gym bag that she brought is also another thing that you could have asked, but didn't end up coming up. So again, it's I don't care how you do it. I just think that there were an infinite number of options because uh, that's the game we play. I thought we did ask what was on the gym bag, or like roundabout. Was it not just a really small, tiny? Big, 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 big blow em up gun. She said that was in there, but we never saw it. That's true. Mm. Yes. So you didn't end up like entertaining the stuff that is in the, that is in the gym bag, or, the, or it's like, hey, Doctor Morrow, you're coming up with this idea. What do you have? Was it like big quilt go away spray that we just easily missed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you would, if you would put in A B A B up down up down left right select start. Dr. Mara would have taken out a de-quilting spray and taken it down. <laughs> and also, her character would have rainbow sunglasses on for the duration of the game. Shout out to the, all the Amandas who uh, who are playing Spyro the Dragon right now. You know it. Thanks for joining the Patreon. We appreciate you. I think the reason we didn't go with Dr. Morrow, at least from my point of view, was she's too chaotic of an NPC for me to feel like, oh, yes, we can reliably ask you to figure out how to solve this puzzle. It also sure. feels like cheating to ask your NPCs how to solve the puzzle. <laughs> That's true. But we did do a good job, I think, of reaching out to other people we know. Julia, I think that engaging your excellent role on the rate card was just oh, outstanding. So I didn't roll funny. well. Eric rolled badly. <laughs> true. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Same, same thing. Same thing. But yes, I was very happy about that. Uh, hey, I did not see that one coming. I should have because we do it all the time. You all touching on the people who live in Lake Town City. But when you started calling people, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you're really trying to break. You're really trying to break my game here. But I think it ended up shaking out in really interesting ways that I wouldn't have thought of. Again, this is what all the stuff that I say all the time, figuring out how things go in play. It ends up changing things a la Fritz. See, Eric, this is why it helps to have a Brandon brain where you must make notes to remember things. Because the previous episode, <laughs> the only thing I wrote was backup. So I know we did talk about it at the Me cliffhanger. Too. <laughs> both Brandon and I started that session saying, oh, what happened last time? Uh, we both just wrote down call backup. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Hey, let's talk about Fritz for a second. Yeah. Hey, Amanda. What up? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, hold on. I want to indulge Julian Brandon's thing, and then we're going to go to Amanda, because I need to look at you in the eyes. I'm in jail. After, after this, you're, you're in player jail for me. Brandon, I think that following up on the Night of Mirrors was... That's the thing that made the most narrative sense, especially because we had talked about it, and the Night of Mirrors said that they were having date night with their wife. No, <laughs> the, the wife. wife. The wife. The, the wife. wife. I'm also liking that this is something that, like, this is how you use insight, I think. I talk about this a lot, but it's like, insight is not a lie detector. Insight is trying to get a read on another person and building off of Julia's... 19 that we rolled before the gala but now this was higher is like yeah now that we figured out and you already think the night of mirrors is sus you're like they're lying you don't know why but you definitely know they're lying and i thought that that was really i really really like that still sus still, still incredibly sus oh my god julia that thing with the right card was very funny <laughs> so good i was like i pay it instantly i just pay it instantly <laughs> i've already paid palter come on Something that we, I guess, we also didn't talk about was the sommelier is 
not a villain nor hero, but just someone who is there for like work for hire Mm -hmm. which is something i guess i didn't really think about until the gala happened and then i'm like oh she has a rate card obviously and then of course i rolled an at one and it was it was super low but i was just like this is like adding some complication that someone who who tried to rob a a college (laughs) originally when you first met them is someone just like kind of figuring it out and may or may not got out of superhero jail because they know people they played tennis for like two months and then got out. Like I thought that, that was really fun and being able to roll like that was really fun for me. I mean, anyone who robs a college is really just a Robin Hood figure. So it makes sense. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> but this to me is one of the real advantages to setting a campaign in a city. And this is one of the things that I think all of us look forward to, but I, I definitely did was getting to come back to and develop relationships with NPCs over time and being able to to like flip through our, you know, our contacts app and say like who's in here that we can call was really fun for me. And the Fritz thing was something that I did not plan in advance, but in thinking through like who do we know who has powers and is not a villain, that was definitely, you know, something that came to mind. And I I like that little character moment of thinking through at the risk of saying I, I like a thing that I did, but like it, it occurred to me <laughs> as being quite true that, you know, this this timeline of Aggie would have a kind of different set of relationships, I think, than the first one. Hey, you know someone who didn't plan for Fritz to show up as well? <laughs> Eric. It was this guy right here who has two thumbs and didn't know Fritz Brightstone was going to show up. <laughs> this guy. But he had a cool motorcycle when he did it, so it makes sense. He did. It, it's very in character for a, uh, a local celebrity and hockey player to have a sick hog. <laughs> 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 oh no. And we mean the bike. I was too I was too in I was too far down to to go back. <laughs> First of all, hilarious, great point. <laughs> but the other thing is that I guess the way that I was trying to deal with your phone calls for backup that all of you made is that the thing that we established in episode 39 was that you were only able to pick up Dr. Morrow is if you were there for like five seconds, Dr. Morrow got in the car and then you sped away. And what I was trying to think about is like, if you called for backup, how fast would they show up? And would they know how to get there? Where are they coming from? Do they need to get all of their shit together? Because I think y'all were already like on the way when you started doing these phone calls. Yeah. So I was really thinking, I was like, well, how long would it take for the sommelier to come to you? How long would it take for Fritz to get his shit together? And um, just all of, all of the characters that you could have, I guess, made phone calls to. I started kind of much like your Rolodex and tried to roll it that in my head. And Fritz only showed up on time and I would say, quote unquote, on time for this conflict because you rolled that nat 20 and you got rewarded for the nat 20. And then Fritz was able to help you figure out what was going on with the yarn and taking it apart. Right. Because he, you know, has an extensive experience of knitting so he would say when I helped you out with that but I think like that was the reward is like I had this in my back pocket and I wanted to give it to you for rolling so well while on top of the knitted dome Eric I actually really loved the yarn mechanic that you gave Amanda for that skill challenge because I thought it was really interesting usually when you are using a strength check you want as high as humanly possible but because you're working with something like yarn you don't want it to snap if you're pulling at it so to have it between 
two like kind of high numbers but not like you don't want to get over 20 was really cool and really smart and i liked it a lot i loved that thank you uh that was something i talked about with uh hey you friend of the show misha stanton also hey everyone misha's gonna be on the next episode of party planning you should go listen to that oh what's that it came out yesterday Ooh. Ooh. so i we were talking about what the deal with the deal with threadbare and how threadbare set up this dome over over this and that was exactly what something we talked about is like is this would this would snap and you don't want to pull it out so i actually wrote down you need to make strength checks however it must be between a 12 and a 16 or a crit you know that that's very similar to things that you would do with any other role right or it's like when you're thinking about maybe powered by the apocalypse systems a 2d6 system is like one to five is a failure. Six to eight is a success with problems. Nine and or above is a success and 12 is a crit, right? So if you apply that logic to a D20 system in a similar way, it needs to follow that idea. And I there was also something that I think you had and you had advantage on one of the roles because Fritz was helping you. And Julia had asked, like, do you get to re-roll this so that you get to get closer to 12 to 16 or you only get to re-roll and take the high? I'm like, no, I'm not a monster. Right. Like <laughs> if Amanda rolled a 19 and like a 13 and needed in between 12 and 16, you wouldn't be a monster and be like, oh, no, you had to take that 19. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I homebrewed rules it. Rules as written. Yeah, I homebrewed this wild mechanic, but rules as written, advantage takes the high. So mm. uh, fuck yourself. <laughs> I loved it because like math-wise, it really isn't like that different from just a regular roll, right? But like- Exactly. You, but what you did w w that was brilliant was it then takes your modifier and turns it against you so it takes mm -hmm. the rules of D&D &D and either makes them harmful or helpful, which I love. That's that's what I thought was really cool about the the role, the mechanic there. Yeah. Thank you. I thought it, I thought it was neat. And being able to tell you this is again like Nat 20s sometimes are a boon to your DM in that I get to tell you what I've written down, right? And sometimes it's like if it comes out piecemeal just with rolls, I'm going to be like, wow, you rolled a 17. Uh, you pull on it and it breaks. Fuck you. <laughs> but being able to say this in a nat 20, similar to like when you get a nat 20 history check and your DM gets to read all of their notes. This was like fun. I got to tell you what the mechanic was. And I thought that, that was really nice. Mm -hmm. I sure enjoyed it. Um, question surgeon Michelle Spurgeon, as well as I think all of us, want to know a little more about Mega Muncher. Michelle said specifically, is Mega Muncher resistant to all damage? Because most things he ate in this fight should have killed him question mark and then follow up um how did threadbare not die when he was bit so tell us about our favorite uh our new favorite duo i think they've displaced painkiller larson and big jeff for me oh no painkiller larson and big jeff live in my heart all the time always forever uh, in my heart nothing can replace we do have big an jeff. mlm corner of questions coming up so don't worry we're gonna get there <laughs> good <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, Brandon, do you want to talk about favorite Pokemon Gengar for a second? I do. Because that was my inspiration for what Mega Muncture looked like. Uh, some people have talked about him as like kind of a Pac-Man figure, which is close. But if you look up the Dynamaxed version of Gengar, it's Terrifying. like, like a, it's a tunnel of death. <laughs> like, the whole, like it's just mouth. Appearing in uh, in raids right now in Pokemon Go, actually. Wow. And I don't want him. <laughs> So if you imagine you're 11 years old and you want to have a best friend, but all Pokemon are animals except for a few of them, and Gengar looks like a little buddy and a little squishable, huggable shadow, and that's what Gengar is, a little squishable, huggable shadow. Aww. 
I definitely, because we talk about Gengar so much, and I know you love him so much, that was 100% my inspiration here. Just ma- like just eyes and mouth uh, was very much what I was going for with that. Here's another thing. Because we had talked about Room fighting Muncher during the gala, I had said for flavor that Room had bites taken out of them. And because, Brandon, you had healed them, I was like, oh, this definitely is a real thing. This is like a condition of bites taken out of you. Uh, I wanted to honor that. And then Mega Muncher uh, Dynamaxed, as it were, for eating room. And I thought that I wanted to cha- I wanted to change that in mechanics. Also, there's the idea, uh, this is all the Pokemon stuff, but Dynamaxing is a thing that's in Sword and Shield right now where you can like give them a power and they become massive. Like they are much, much, much bigger than your regular Pokemon. And I thought about that in terms of applying it to an enemy or an NPC. I'm like, well, you're really changing from an enemy to a trap in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Like... This is this is something that it's just like kind of like maybe a boss battle in a video game. For those of you playing Mario Odyssey, when you fight the Mecha Wiggler in New Donk City, it just kind of runs through the stage, and you Eric, need to get out of the way. Did you hear the words you just said, or was that? Yeah, those aren't words. Those aren't words. <laughs> no, those aren't words. Basically, there's like it's like a train is running through the stage. It's like you... your mouth buffered. <laughs> And there's no way for you to do damage. You just need to get out of the way. And that is what I was feeling like Mega Muncher was getting to. Just going through, especially, and get just driving through this entire area and threadbare negotiating that similar with like similar the way it's like you go one way and then they appear back in the other place so momentum is conserved was the thing that I was thinking about the most which is why it was a really good idea I think to have uh, Muncher munch through the dome that would have been great yeah yeah erupting earth was also a great idea to slow Muncher Mm -hmm. down mega Muncher down very good do y'all think that if we take a bite I know we'll never do it but if we take a bite out of room what would your Dynamax versions of yourselves be Oh, our characters or ourselves? Characters or yourself, whatever mm-hmm. you want. Big Julia is also fun. <laughs> I love this because of Dynamax because it how it just like enhances the version of you that already exists to like a, an in, insane degree. I love this. Yeah, I feel like Val would end up looking like the thing, but with lava. Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe. I think multi tool would be kind of like a maypole, and instead of ribbons coming down, it's arms. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Is there an, a Dynamax version of Executor? Because I feel like that would be uh, Oh, inter- the, the Alolan one the has a really long one. neck. That's yeah, yeah. I feel of. like that's what we're going for. Totally. I think Milo would be like, you know, those like um, Spirited Away style animation where like there's this, like, you know, a character looks to the left and nothing's there and looks back and then behind them you see just like a big old shadow like come out. Mm. Um, yeah. Terrifying. Just, like, yeah, on the wall. That would be Milo, I think. Big Shadowman. I wonder if it's just like you know when you take you see those photos of like space taken by the Hubble telescope or something it's just like that and then it's just like the yawning portal of nothing with like little (laughs) specks of stars millions of miles away like yeah it's like that but instead of darkness it's like the unending vacuum of space Milo becomes a black hole, but you can only tell that he's there because of the way that the light curves around the black hole. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's your hood, and then blown all the way out. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I just want to say that Mega Muncher did have a stat block. I started out with a fire giant, and then added on some stuff. 
like with the there is a combo attack with Threadbare that I didn't end up getting to do. But of course, there was also the sucking debris, which is something that we ended up encountering. And then there were like munch, just general bite and munching attacks. Oh, yeah. That brings up a great question from Bernie MPI on Twitter. Uh, one, Eric, what the fuck? Two, um, <laughs> the Threadbare's yarn change into stronger material on one ups or was it just more chunky? But then related, does Muncher consume what it eats or is it more like a Venus flytrap situation where he absorbs only what's needed? Which I didn't know about Venus flytraps. They only absorb the nutrients they need. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. What do they do with the rest of it? Poop it. Oh, like waste products. I see. Well, isn't yeah. that all? Isn't that just how di- eating works? We just eat what we need. Mm. Nah, ma'am. <laughs> nah, no, ma'am. No, Brian uh, is I'm right. That's what poop is. <laughs> that is. No, that's true. We just true. digest the stuff we need and then get rid of the rest. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like our bodies aren't that good though. Like you can definitely get too much of something. You that's know, true. Your body's that's just true. Like, it's not selective. Like me in Stardew Valley, I collect every daffodil I see, even though hey, I have several dozen daffodils already. Yeah. Like me in real life, I collect every muffin I see and stuff it down mm-hmm. my face. Oh, yeah. Brandon, I was just going to say that. That's I was going to say like vitamins. Usually when you take like a multivitamin, you're getting more than your body can actually absorb. And so it just kind of like becomes mm-hmm. waste product. I don't mm-hmm. know. I'm combining the two and I'm imagining Julia with a fistful of multivitamins just like <laughs> just tossing it in your mouth. Tell um, us about Muncher though. Yeah, to answer these questions, yes, Threadbare has a juicier of not juicier has a more resistant amount of thread which is something that we touched on a little bit from what happened in 39 and in 38 which is that you can't just burn this is that you would have to like do a lot a lot a lot of fire for it to go up again that's like overcoming the resistance something i'd said before muncher just munches especially in the mega form it is just mouth it doesn't go anywhere so it's just about destruction so I would say not even either. It doesn't. It's not even about eating. It's just going forward in a Pac-Man situation. You're just going forward, waka waka waka, destroying. It's really a big Whoa. Gengar Kirby Pac-Man combination mm. situation. You yeah. Know? Really, just pulling from video games. Yeah. Welcome to this podcast, Julia. <laughs> I know. <laughs> shocking. Amanda, I do have a question for you. Oh sure. Talking about Yarn Boys threads. Is Yarn the one with the most tensile strength, or or is there a better thread we could have gone with, or do you know the answer to this? Tell me about all the threads based on their tensile strength. <laughs> you know, I'm sure there are thread heads out there. Um, I don't know if that's Shout out thing. to all the Amandas out there. We appreciate <laughs> you. Thanks for supporting the uh, Patreon. Yeah. Hemp has very good tensile strength. That's, you know, like a different kind of levels of refinement um, are, are very strong. I don't know, dude. All I know is that I'm I'm allergic to animal products. And so I, I, I don't <laughs> use wool or alpaca or anything or, you know, or cashmere when, uh, when knitting. I go for that artificial stuff. <laughs> I made eye contact with Eric when I said that. I don't know why. Because <laughs> Eric's a robot. Confirmed. Oh no. Ralt asks if Dr. Morrow had died, what questions would the players have regretted not asking her? <laughs> oh so God, Dr. Morrow. Dr. Morrow was so close to death, to automatic oh, death. You know oh, what the great terrifying. thing about that question is? Is that it doesn't fucking matter because we have someone in the party who can talk to the dead. <laughs> That's true, which is good, which is very useful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. even if she had died. We would have gotten answers. It's wild that Volcani can do that, you know? Yeah, I know. It's it's a secret <laughs> sorcerer thing that I haven't told you guys about yet. <laughs> yeah. Does Volcani also have the sight? Is that why? <laughs> yes, they got it from Aunt Bin. That That's what would have happened in the alternate timeline if uh, Volcani had fell in and not multi-tool. Yeah, that it would have been... <laughs> 
Val gets the sight and joins the mob. Yeah, when you join the family, they give you the sight, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, we 100% could have done that. Val could have become like a... There, I mean, D&D leans really hard into psionics. I think yeah. there's a psionic sorcerer, so we totally could have done that. Absolutely. Oh, that's so fun. What if, guys, what if campaign three is an AU of campaign two? Would that be fun? <laughs> <laughs> we just do the same story beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with different character versions. I'm into it. It's like, hey, you really need to listen to campaign two before you do campaign three. It's going to be absolute nonsense. Bog Witch on Insta, a great name, wants to know how close to death was Dr. Mayor Morrow? Dr. Morrow had... 25 hit points. That's so little. For those of you who are playing along at home, you know that if you get double damage of your hit points, you die automatically. So like if she took 50 damage? She would have died automatically. In one attack, right? Yes. If Dr. Morrow had taken 50 points of damage in one attack, she would have died automatically. Oofed. Like, because once, if it would blow that as what happened, she you start taking death saving throws and that's a different mechanic, right? So I rolled like high 40s damage. Sushi was very close. Uh, very uh, close. That's true. I, y'all decided to take her with you and she's just an a older woman with a lot of tech on her. Like, she doesn't have a lot of HP. I have more HP than that. Brandon yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> you told us when Lucas got almost killed that the typical NPC only has 20 hit points, right? The t- a commoner mm-hmm. has like 10. Oh, 10. And I, threw, and I threw Lucas an extra HP or two because he was like relevant to the story. But Dr. Morrow, like theoretically, is like, I, I, I don't like saying classes for NPCs because I'm like, they, they are not, they don't have a class. They're an NPC. I, I can give them whatever they want. But like theoretically, she had experiences in her life that gives her the XP that would have quote unquote leveled her up. Cool. So she would have had a certain more uh, HP in that way. But no, no more than 25. No. Gotcha. Terrifying. Patil on Insta would like to know, Julia, who did Val want to save more, Aunt Min or the Upcountry Keepers? <laughs> Aunt Min, unfortunately. Family. Yeah, family. Love it. I feel like their dad would be pissed if they had the opportunity to save Aunt Min and then didn't do that. So Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's important. Gotta preserve those familial bonds. Hey, uh, so I you know I have eyes everywhere, right? Uh, <laughs> so why didn't you save Aunt Min? <laughs> There's a there's a there's an LTC mob spy, a New York City mob spy, somewhere around watching your every move. That's fair. That's how I live my life. <laughs> One qu- a quarter mile at a time. Yost says, I was super impressed with Eric's ability to make a few consecutive stealth rolls into one of the most tense moments on the show. How did you pull it off and design that specific part of the encounter? Before I start. Hey, you know how much cooler I sound with dope music below me? Yeah. Brandon, the music was off yeah. the chain this episode. I Everybody gi- said so. I'm giving like 60% of this to Brandon. Well, I did write, personally write, in the Hall of the Mountain King. It is my composition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I take all <laughs> credit that. for it. It is mine. No one else's. I'm a genius. Thank you. No questions. Send royalties to 420 Brandon Ave. Please, please. Pacific Northwest, yeah. comma US. You could just Venmo me those those uh, royalties directly. Oh, okay. Cool, at cool, four twenty, yeah. Brandon sixty nine. Ha ha. Put put ha ha in the subject line. Love it. Well, no, that's, that's part, part of the uh, username. Okay. Oh, I got. It. Yeah. Um. Ha-ha. So yeah, no, I want to give that to Brandon for making it sound extra dope and for editing it very nicely. So I want to give you. I want to give you credit for that. Thanks. Even if it was Hall of the Mountain King, I still want to say you did put it there, and I'm giving it to you. <laughs> This is something I've been thinking about quite a lot about shared 
checks. Like, I think that when people do stuff together, I don't necessarily, like, I don't want individual people to fail on their own, especially with stealth checks. I think that if you have a group of people together, it's not like, oh, you rolled a three? Well, your armor is too loud and you fucked everyone. Like, I just, I don't, I just don't agree with that. So being able to build on that continuously and then give you rewards or extra detail if you succeed because this was the plan I think was a little fun thing so I had I actually wrote down like some things that you might have seen just in general I'm like oh here are some stuff that's going on around you that you might have you might run into over time that you might have you might have run into if you had you had succeeded so I, I was able to do that and then the final one I wanted to make I wanted to make even harder because you're getting as close as possible this is the Nintendo video game boss battle mechanics that are in my head it oh you hit three times the hardest time is the third time you're the most likely for bad things to happen or for more damage to happen so I wanted to honor that and uh, really make sure that the game mechanics followed how d actually difficult this was, especially with Dr. Morrow with you as well. I was honoring both the nat 20 as not automatic success, but as 20 plus, but then honoring the nat one as one plus modifier and be throwing that into the averages I thought was just important for like the shared stealth check in this way. Love it. Well, I am feeling a little bit munchy now, so I'm going to go into the kitchen and grab us some more snacks. Oh no, a man is hurt into the back of butcher. Oh no! Oh. Hey, it's Amanda. I know we talked about leaf peeping uh, as we opened up this episode, but I encountered for the first time leaf peeping traffic where I went around a corner with a beautiful view in our rental car and a bunch of people were like backed up with their hazards on, uh, all taking pictures and just making eye contact with strangers with the message of like, can you believe this shit? Just look at the, look at the bounty of nature it was absolutely beautiful. Welcome to the mid-roll. It's peak peep. Thank you first and foremost to all of our patrons and especially those of you who have joined us recently. Maria B, Nell, and Henry, we see you. We thank you for coming aboard. The show is made possible straight up by these incredible patrons, and we honestly could not do it without you. If you want to support Join the Party, get access to all kinds of excellent bonus content, and join the best place on the internet, that's our patron-only Discord, folks, you can do that at patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. And party planning is off and running with episode four now out featuring a friend of the show, Misha Stanton, right now. That's patreon.com slash jointhepartypod. It's also a great time to check out another show in the Multitude Collective. It is, after all, the autumnal and spookiest time of year. So we got to tell you all about Spirits, the show that I do with Julia. This is a history and comedy podcast focused on everything folklore, mythology, and the occult, told the lens of feminism, queerness, and modern adulthood. Every week, the two of us get together to learn about a different story from mythology and folklore over drinks. And we always make sure that our Octobers are special because it's the spooky month. It's time for us. That means everything from the mythological origins of franchises like Lord of the Rings and Wonder Woman to modern urban legends to a roundup of werewolf stories from around the world and some fabulous guests. You guys are going to love our October guest, I promise. Start listening with any of the more than 250 episodes that we've made over the last five and a half years. There's so much to enjoy, whether you're here for analysis of mental health and mythology or just some creepy modern ghost stories. Go to spiritspodcast.com or search for spirits wherever you download your podcasts. 
We are sponsored this week by Girlfriend Collective. Whether you are leaf peeping, running, biking, doing yoga, swimming, or hanging out at home, Girlfriend Collective has clothes that you can feel your best in. They make cute, sustainable, and comfortable bras, leggings, shorts, tanks, t-shirts, swimsuits, and more, with inclusive sizing ranging from double extra small to 6XL. Shout out to their best-selling leggings that are squat-proof, come with pockets, and have different levels of support, whether you're looking for compression or comfort. I wear them with a gigantic sweatshirt when I'm here on vacation, and they are very comfy. For listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash join the party. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash join the party. Girlfriend.com slash join the party. We are also sponsored by Hero Forge. They offer fully customizable tabletop miniatures with dozens of fantasy races from all types of genres and thousands of parts to choose from. They're always putting out new stuff. So every time we do an ad for Hero Forge, we go to the website and it's amazing how much new stuff gets added every single time. Just yesterday, they added new throwing weapons. Your character can now toss a hoop, futuristic hoop, chakram hoop, geometric hoop, discus, spartan spear, and barbed throwing spear. I now need to make a hoop-based character. That's amazing. So go to heroforge.com right now to start making the mini of your dreams. Click around. I promise you're going to enjoy it. That's heroforge.com. And finally, we are sponsored by BetterHelp. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, or if like me, looking at beautiful sights makes you think about death, BetterHelp is a really good way to find therapy, whether that's via phone, video, or even live chat sessions. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses from your therapist, plus you can schedule weekly phone or video sessions. It's very flexible, so this week, for example, since I'm on vacation, I am texting with my therapist via their app instead of doing my normal video session, and you never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. It's available worldwide and is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. So visit betterhelp.com slash join the party. That's better H-E-L-P to join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Once more, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and join the party listeners get 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com slash join the party. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash join the party. And now back to the show. Guys, I'm back. And I have a lot of different flavors of caramel flavored popcorn. Oh. Like there's like dill pickle popcorn. Oh, thank you. You got it. There's a Halloween munchie mix. No one told me until I was like uh, 29 years old that dill flavored things like potato chips are just salt and vinegar potato chips with some dill on them. Yeah. And are fucking yeah. good. Yeah, yeah they're, they're very good. Yeah. Everyone should be eating them all the time. And I'm mad about that. I think it's a branding issue. I think that now that pickle has gone the way of bacon uh, in the last decade, they're like, oh, man, my whole life is pickles. And like, listen, my life has been pickles my entire life. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to all the Jews out there. But <laughs> it's like now it's like a thing. And I think, Brandon, that's actually what the flavor profile is. I think about it, dill pickle anything. And it's really just putting dill and vinegar into a thing that already existed. Hey, dill and vinegar improves almost every food. It's so exactly. good. I'm not disagreeing with it. Yeah. Anyway. I think that there's a, usually a problem when people start trying to like add cucumber flavor into that as well. It's like, y'all dog, you're doing too much. No, too, too much. fresh now. Too fresh. Too much. Too fresh. Too much too fresh. That's what they called me in college. Maybe add a little bit of garlic flavor for like that, that mm -hmm. full yeah. sour garlic pickle flavor, but 
Mm. Oh, yeah. Very rarely do they have that. Well, we have a good, I think, kind of transition into our sort of like game character podcasting, you know, fun uh, corner of the after party. Josh on Insta asks, what is each character's spooky season tradition? This is our October after party, after all. And I know all of us truly come alive in the fall. So what what is Val up to during the spooky season? I think Val's a haunted house person. I think Val really likes Mm. a haunted house. I can't imagine all of their costume options with Hitomi. Like, imagine the couple's costume options of tiny fire person and willowy girlfriend. Yes, really, honestly, very, very good. I was thinking more traditions. And so since they haven't been dating for more than a year, I guess, at this point, haven't done a couple's costume just yet, but... Yeah, there's a lot of really good options there, huh? How about Milo? Are there any um, like friend group watching, you know, like movie watching or TV show watching traditions? Amanda, that is the correct answer. I was doing a quick Google to figure out how many Halloween movies there were. It looks like there are currently 13 or 12 out and one about to be out. That's true. So I think Milo and his friend group do like the advent calendar of October with Halloween movies. Mm, I love that. (laughs) And when they get to the 14th one or the end of 13 or whatever it is, they then turn to their own fan fiction of Halloween movies and either perform or read them aloud uh, until the October 31st. And then that's that's their Halloween tradition. That's a real commitment because some of those movies are very bad. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Milo's a fan of like fucking Star Trek deep space nine so i also like the idea that like someone tried to make this into a carpenter one but it's like i don't want to watch the thing i just want to watch halloween but the thing's so good (laughs) i don't want to watch they live i don't care we're watching halloween six underwater underwater spookiness What about Aggie? I think Aggie's very into fall produce and cider and stuff like that. And how, being, again, our your Lake Town City correspondents, uh, Eric and I went to the last farmer's market of the year here in Essex County, and it was bumping, y'all. Everybody was there getting their apples, their bread, their honey, their uh, pickles, their CBD products, their uh, whiskeys, everything. Apple cider donuts? Apple cider donuts, yes, absolutely. Fuck we did yeah. bring some home and... Eric was just like tore off across the field. And I was like, where's he going? And he goes, honey, I found apple cider donuts and, and bought some. <laughs> I like the idea that I it's like I out. ran. Yeah, it's like I got down on all fours because it's faster <laughs> for me to run that way. I was picturing no. you Naruto style with the arms behind you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just aimlessly wandering. And then you saw, you zeroed in on the treasure and said that way. And it was great. To me, it's like that guy from Office Space where you like don't move your arms at all. You just like like straight faced walk over there. Everyone, get in the comments. Say, how do I run? <laughs> <laughs> no, Eric just knows that they're my favorite and found them for me. Whoever great. explains the best way of how I will run gets one to join the party pin. <laughs> like a fucking athlete, man. You look so good. Your Brandon's hair is glistening. <laughs> yes. Flannel billowing behind you. You didn't like Naruto run? No, Julia is in a close second. Brandon Brandon was pandering, so I have to honor that. Fair, fair. But yeah, I think Aggie drives all over the place, uh, going to her favorite, you know, orchards and farm stands and pumpkin patches and uh, stocking up on stuff for the winter. And everyone knows her name. Every farmer. Yes, absolutely. And I think this year, Milo will also propose to the team and to Wyvern that we start a corn maze, like to get mm. the community involvement with supers going, you know, mm. and like we use our powers to do fun things like shadow scare, like a lot of spook scares <laughs> for Milo because you can just kind of move 
unseen. Maybe there's a, a fire demon or something. You tell me. I don't know. I like the idea that no one gets lost in the corn maze because Wyvern can fly. So Wyvern's like, hey, stop. Stop. You're, you've been in here too long. Get out of here. <laughs> Wyvern is like the person in a escape room who has to give people clues, but he's just floating <laughs> above the corn maze. That's very good. <laughs> hey, that's not an entrance. That's stop. That Don't touch that. It's, hey. That's just corn. Hey, okay? blue, blue plaid. Don't touch that. You know the guy at the beginning, uh, like the host or the hostess at the beginning of Tower of Terror ride in Disney mm-hmm. World? Mm-hmm. That's January at the top of the maze. Oh, like, very in, good. Like, full white, you know, death makeup. The like, mater D of horror. Yeah, like he needs death makeup. Yeah. He's a small yeah. buddy. <laughs> well, he'll be turning into his, uh, his snowshoe white form around that time. That's so true. Perfect. I'm a ghost bunny. <laughs> <laughs> It's because my soul is going. My soul is going to the death world. No, it's because of my natural patterns. It's fine. It's fine. I can avoid enemies. Don't make it weird. Maghack thirteen says on Twitter, Eric, how do you make the action and story elements interesting while keeping track of all the different NPCs and side stories? Like, how do you tie them to the main plot without it feeling forced? First of all, thank you. That's a very nice thing to say. I think that this is related to two things that we've said in this after party already, which is one, you tell me what you like, but two, because we are doing a city where everyone theoretically can be around, it's not like they're on the other side of the kingdom that takes 10 days of flight on top of giant eagles, is that I'm, I can keep building things out and the people you are interested in will come up when you ask me about them. Sometimes I have them written down and sometimes I have ideas of what exactly I want to happen, but sometimes I don't and then I get to make it up and then it, that's what it is. So I, I follow your lead. There are definitely people who I've seeded over time that you didn't end up touching uh, and then I get to punish you for not remembering them, but only <laughs> if it makes sense. For example, Shannon Redwine, tough stuff showing up. Let's go all the way back, right? When Volcani ended up going to talk to Emily Slaughter instead of Aggie, then that becomes a totally different conversation. And I will not punish, but like I'm going to change the situations to make it interesting for Julia and Julia's character to be a part of it. It's a real combination. Like I, I, it's not like I'm constantly juggling them, more like I have them in my pocket until you ask me about them. But because I'm not just going to drop it on you because I want to it's because the players are interested in that and I'm I'm honoring your choices I've been saying that a lot but like that's a really is that's really a choice I always got the feeling that at the beginning of a new arc you kind of like as you're prepping you kind of like check in with all the NPCs and like see if there's like little areas you can plug and, and stuff like that is that true or do you just sort of like know all the time where you're going sometimes I think that I Check in with them if they're relevant to the plot. For example, Dr. Morrow, Dez, and January are, are always relevant because you kind of use them as their, their home base. And I use Dez as the magic item mechanic, for example. And then it becomes like, do I need to talk to Emily Slaughter or not? Do I need to interact with the Upcountry Keepers? Are we doing something else? Like, you, y'all didn't really end up talking to the Upcountry Keepers that much during the time loop arc until Emily Slaughter showed up because things had changed and now the time loop had uh, acknowledged that. But remember, the Night of Mirrors was not in the time loop arc at all. And then we ended up checking checking in with them later. I also want to add people over time. For example, let's, let's keep using the time loop arc. I added Byron Zorn 
So we want to, I'm going to point you towards a new person, but then you tell me if you are interested in pursuing this person. We don't know that much about Byron Zorn, but he's definitely existing on the periphery of a lot of things. And I think that maybe this perception has changed a little bit because Amanda's like, I want to have an event that has every single NPC we've ever met there. Surely nothing bad will happen there. <laughs> so, may so maybe that's like skewing that a little bit. That it But because we live in a city, I can put all of them in a room plus new people and that doesn't feel like I'm jamming too many NPCs in there. And then Again, it's like, who do you talk to who is relevant? Hmm. Lopsided Halfling says, have any of the players ever considered messaging Eric on the slide to have our character contact Emily Slaughter to say something like, I don't trust Dr. Morrow. If something weird goes down, I want to join you. With how hinky everything is, I feel like I'd want to have an emergency out, even if it meant sucking up to and relying on Emily. <laughs> no. A really interesting nope. thought. Great, great thought. thought. Never cross my mind. <laughs> But if, yeah, if I found out that Julia or Amanda did that, I would um, actively <laughs> disown them, the people that they are, so. Yeah, I mean, like, yep. here's the thing. We will message Eric on the sly about plenty of things. I would mm -hmm. never in my fucking life consider becoming an upcountry keeper. <laughs> I would never. I, I don't think this is a spoiler because I've done it, obviously. I've been trying to get Amanda to do that multiple times. You've noticed... That Emily Slaughter keeps soft extending invitations to preserver slash multi-tool mm -hmm. because she finds that Vulcani and Kilanova. This is going to be so weird, but you two are erratic. I don't know where she gets that from. What? That's, so. that's so weird. Fucking rude. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. I don't know why she would say that. Um, so honestly, y the answer is yes. <laughs> and no, uh, Amanda has not taken me up on that offer. Fuck no, dude. Are you saying that Emily Slaughter thinks that fucking Flyboy is less chaotic than us? Yeah, because she could control Flyboy. That's yeah, Flyboy it. falls in line. All Flyboy the members of follower. her team. Couldn't agree more. This hot question comes from Soup Dumpling, a regular at the House Breakfast uh, Twitch channel. Mm, and delicious. They say... I love the This Aggie Timeline comments. It helps me think about little things that happened earlier in the story. So in This Aggie Timeline, did the Christmas party still happen? If it did, since Aggie wouldn't have been healing Milo, did he get absurdly drunk? Oh, man, I didn't think about that. I think so. Right? I think the party happened accidentally. I think Quinn just kind of showed up and like texted some people and like took Aggie's phone and was like, I'm texting your friends and uh, and like accidentally made a party. And Aggie's like, no, 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 no. But I do think that pizza wore a little costume. Adorable. Definitely. Maybe in this version, because I've sort of like made it where the healing is a snuggle or a lick from Tuna. Maybe Tuna was the one sort oh, yeah. of like licking Milo and healing him. I like that. I wonder if the conversation that Lucas had with you then happens at home after he takes you home at like 9 p.m. No, it happened outside. It happened outside. Right, but that, but that was after Aggie had, heal, had healed some of the drunkenness, but like you got too drunk too fast. Lucas like, I need to take my friend home. And that conversation happens like in the bathroom at your apartment. There it is. <laughs> and then they do not kiss you, you fan fictioners. <laughs> Leave it alone. Who can say? They can guess if they want. That's fine. <laughs> this brings us to MLM Corner. Yeah, of course it does. Where Maureen, <laughs> where Maureen says, 
I enjoyed um, the references to the LuLaRoe warehouse, which, by the way, we recorded this months ago. The LuLaRoe documentary had not yet come out. It was just a happy accident. And Maureen asks, which Lake Town City residents do you think are the most likely to get sucked into an MLM? And then similar from Cayenne on Insta, what MLM did Tough Stuff get snagged into for how long and how did she get out? <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we literally have a canonical enemy who deals in MLMs. Yeah, like no. that that was written down. Yeah. Painkiller Larson has his own MLM. It's called like maybe it's just is it just called painkillers? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like a vitamin C prevents disease type, like health supplement MLM. Sure. Yeah. And it's called painkillers. Yeah. With a Z. <laughs> I think Brian Roper definitely got roped into that, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flyboy. Yeah, Flyboy. I think Brian as well. Like, what if there was like a power tool MLM? Like, you know, the the knife ones where it's like there are not like that you are selling knives, but also it's an MLM. Cutco. Um, maybe it's something to do with. Yeah, exactly. Like like pl- plumbing supplies or like a super glue for pipes and it doesn't work or something. Super glue for pipes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> they both deeply strike me as nootropic people. Oh, so I yeah, feel like a, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's called painkillers, but that is called brain killers. Oh, and it's no. nootropics. I hate that. <laughs> Why would you want to take something called a brain killer? It's because after you take it, you can kill someone with your brain. Oh. Thank you, Julia. Manifesting babe over here, Julia Shafini. Oh, that definitely would be it, right? Like it's an MLM where it's it's a wellness MLM, but instead of wellness, it like you can have powers too thing. Yeah. No, that's really it. And Mm. like besides painkiller Larson, Antman. 100% 100% would start an MLM and Emily Slaughter 100% start an MLM. Mhm. I like the idea that some of the changes that Ant Min made to the Lake Town City mob is <laughs> is one of their revenue sources is an MLM that's so funny. There's yeah. really no difference between like protection money and an MLM. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. They're both rackets in different ways. I think Tough Stuff is definitely into LuLaRoe. Like, let's yeah. just let's call it as it is. Yeah. Tough Stuff loves having funky, having funky tights. Yeah. I, love yep. I don't think January would be in an MLM, but I do think January would have that box of chocolate that every band kid did where you sold a chocolate bar for a dollar to raise money for your band. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, what if he secretly just buys all of the chocolate and oranges and wrapping paper from the high school? Yeah. And then I there's just a does. room in Dr. Morrow's house filled with it. Yeah. And then the high school has like an awesome fine arts program. Yeah. Yeah. As a rabbit, I don't really understand capitalism because <laughs> I just we I just lived in a burrow. So like whatever, <laughs> I don't need this money that Dr. Morrow pays yeah, me. I, I do get a salary. <laughs> I, I have a full salary, but I live here. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to spend it on other than suits. <laughs> <laughs> and they're less because they're small. Aww. Parisi gives you a discount. <laughs> Parisi does it by the by uh by amount of fabric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you know what? I just had one more uh game question from uh the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon. What else does Milo watch with Anubis? Does he wait to watch their shows together? Oh. Oh yeah. I think when Milo goes down there and Anubis is like, Yeah, I started I can't I'm not gonna do Anubis's voice, of course, but you know, it's like Anubis. Yeah, I started like, you know, Squid Games without you. Milo's like, What the <laughs> fuck? We said we were going to watch that together. For us, oh, Squid Game, also perfect. Lots of death. Yeah. Anubis loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anubis definitely loves depictions of the afterlife. It's just like, that's so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just me down here. No one would guess me. I like the idea that Anubis knows if you start a show without them and then will like curse one of your friends. 
with with like terrible knowledge in <laughs> response or like buffering of their video queue. Mm. Yeah, Anubis can kill your internet 100%. Oh yeah. There it yeah. is. Can Anubis like give Zach Rose or someone like knowledge of their previous life and like how they died? Like how did Zach Rose oh. die in the previous Oh no, life? are we are we including reincarnation and past are, yeah, lives are we, into our are, canon? Are you is canonizing this a reincarnation right now? right now? I don't know. It's up to Eric. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey, we want to think more about your cosmology real quick? Yeah, when I write the Lake Town City Cosmology Guide, I have to do it like the fucking D&D Wizards things. It's like, Zach Rose's Guide to the Cosmology. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I can, I'll put that in and I'll, I'll have a, a true afterlife. Take us through all seven levels of Christian hell, please. In the <laughs> yeah, Anubis thought it was funny, so Anubis included Dante's Christian hell. <laughs> Well, you know we have to finish this special on-location version of the After Party in Spoily Corner. Spoily Corner! Well, first, everyone would love... I just... I love that bit, Brandon. I just... I can't add to it. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> you know, give it a beat and then and then here we go. First, everyone wants to know what the fuck. Um, everyone wants to know, uh, who's the Knight of Mirrors? Is it Fritz? Are we ever gonna know? Uh, who can say? Shout out to the Spoily Corner of our Discord for really giving this one a college try and reopening the book on who is the Night of Mirrors. Yeah. Someone was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to compare the the podcast timeline to the Mountain Lobster's away game schedule. Oh shit, that's not a real hockey team. And I thought that that was <laughs> incredible. Well done. Okay, here's my argument for why the Night of Mirrors is not Fritz. Despite the okay. fact that they both ride motorcycles, which is the only connection they currently have right Many now. Many people do. The Night of Mirrors was there chasing down the ice cream truck after we got out of the Ninja Ooh. Warrior warehouse thing, where Fritz also was. Quite true. So I think Fritz was still in the vicinity of us when we saw the Night of Mirrors. But is that more evidence for the fact? No, because... I don't think so, because I don't think Fritz like left our area while we saw. Were... I mean, I can go and listen to the episode again, but I'm pretty sure he's around. But I think he's in the building and y'all chase the truck outside the building. So he could have like gone out a back entrance. But I thought changed. he followed us out as well. I don't know. I don't know either. We have to go have to listen. Re-listen. Fritz also might have had someone riding the United Mirror's bike past you to throw you off as soon as he met you uh, mm. to really uh, throw that evidence off. That seems like a lot of effort. More than- it does. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon is maintaining your secret identity and making sure no one ever <laughs> figures that out. Is that like easy work? It's light, light work. Yeah, Cutting quarters. You just wear a mask. It's, it, then you're done. Oh, <laughs> fucking rude. Claroline on Insta wants to know who are Lou's parents and why does she need to hide her stuff from them? Because she's Good a question. teenager. Yeah. <laughs> who can say? Who or like can a say? young kid. Everyone hides them for the stuff from their parents. Especially when they are super smart. The smartest person in Lake Town City. Something I forgot about was I didn't describe Lou's like mask or anything. I didn't say that Lou had a mask. So while we were doing that episode, I was like, oh, wouldn't this be so funny if Lou has like facial obscuring technology that just like holograms over their face? I was like, here is a teenage girl who's wearing like a school uniform. I didn't say anything about their, if they were protecting their face or not. Right. Uh, while I explicitly did for Hive, and I forgot to do it for Lou. So I'm like, oh yeah, Lou just has the f- like facial warping technology. Fucking incredible. Chilling. It was so, it was just so funny. Folks would like to know if Dr. Morrow is going to be okay. Truly, who can say? Who can say? I mean, is she ever okay? Like emotionally? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think she's fine emotionally. 
That's true. She's flourishing. Being proximate to death is just another learning opportunity, I think, for her. I also want to give a shout out to Tuna for saving Dr. Morrow's life. Oh, yeah, <laughs> truly. <laughs> truly. Rolled real good. Our healer. <laughs> Tuna the healer. <laughs> and finally, is January okay? Is every hair on their little head as it was before? Who can say? Mm. Maybe we'll find out. Mm. I don't know what you mean. What are you what are we referring to? All is right. It, is this the squid game everyone's talking about? Oh, God. I think we have to go peep some more leaves so I can lower my blood pressure at the thought of January being harmed. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for your thoughtful and wonderful questions. We hope you enjoy, uh, for our patrons, the new party planning that went out yesterday with friend of the show, Misha Stanton, and uh, anyone who's not a patron and would like to have more content, maybe even see our faces from time to time. Whoa. It's a great place to do it. Patreon.com slash join the party pod. I envy, now I keep thinking about that, and when Julia did the, Julia did a full act out of putting vitamins into her mouth, and like, we <laughs> just did not get to see I that. I know, it was great. You're, you're framing, Julia, your eye contact with the camera, it was outstanding. <laughs> thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, we're I really, we're really getting into the vodcasting here. Uh, it's, it's a ton of fun. May I just have the word dollar in the jar? Ha ha! Oh no! <laughs> I am- I'm I the Vod Witch! <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I think that doing party planning has made us more chaotic. Yeah, the last couple play sessions have been something else. Eric. Eric. Sorry. Can what? I be more chaotic? I was going to say, it's made Amanda <laughs> Julia and I more yeah. chaotic. Brandon. We're meeting Brandon where he's been at for years, frankly. Mm. Welcome to my arena. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the welcome to the gungeon, truly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, these bloops are chunky. Let's just say that. Like, <laughs> it's a lot more a lot more stuff like that. I'm like, oh, this must be why Friends of the Table records 30 minutes of content <laughs> before they start playing. That totally makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, the next few episodes are, are real hot shit guys i know we keep saying it but it just keeps getting hotter we will see you in one week with a brand new episode and until then uh enjoy bye guys later see ya may your rolls trend ever upward Five, four, three, two, one. My one was off nice. again. Jesus. It's okay, it's okay Brandon. Ugh. It's okay, Brandon. Even Simone Biles doesn't always take the landing. True. <laughs> Brandon is the Simone Biles of counting of counting and ordering numbers together. <laughs> one, two, four. Fuck. <laughs> You're so close. So close See, to the gotta, goal. We got to get the bloops on the after parties now. That, that's our strategy. I know. We, it's just more bloops. <laughs>